Move Forward Radio is brought to you by ChoosePT.com, the official consumer information website of the American Physical Therapy Association. Find a physical therapist near you at ChoosePT.com. Welcome to Move Forward Radio. I'm Eric Reese. Alyssa Jalamis may have seemed unlikely to grow up to become a world-class athlete when she was born 24 years ago with arthrogryposis, a rare condition that causes rigidity in affected joints due to the shortening and hardening of muscles and tendons. She walks with leg braces to this day. It's in the water, however, that Alyssa has felt empowered since she first was introduced to swimming at a very early age. By the time she was 13, she was swimming in adaptive sports events. Just four years later, she competed in the 2012 Paralympic Games in London. She went on to compete in the 2016 Games in Rio de Janeiro as well. Today, Alyssa is a busy young woman who's juggling a demanding career with a vigorous training regimen and is plotting her next steps in life. In this episode of Move Forward Radio, she talks about what drives her, the impacts of physical therapy and her mother's personal and professional support, and what she'd like every individual with a disability to internalize and take to heart. Here's our conversation with Alyssa. So, Alyssa, we're, we're speaking with you today because you're a world-class athlete with a, with a pretty cool story to tell. You're a two-time Paralympian, and, and the reason you're classified as a Paralympic athlete is because you were born with a fairly rare condition that occurs in only about one of every 3,000 live births. It's called uh, arthrogryposis. Can you start by telling us sort of what the condition entails and how it affects you? So I was born with arthrogryposis, as you said, and it impacts my legs and hands. So it affects your muscles and joints in your body. So in my case, it's my hands and it's in my legs. So I walk with long leg braces to get around and I'm able to do a lot. I understand that although you walk with braces, you, you tend to, uh, we're going to talk about your swimming in a moment, but I understand that you don't basically even even use your, your, your legs particularly when you swim. Is that correct? Correct. Yeah, so I use um, the majority of my upper body when I swim and um, when I walk, actually. It takes a lot of my upper body to control my lower body. You must have a very strong upper body. <laughs> yes, I work hard. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, uh, Alyssa, your your parents started you swimming, uh, I believe, at the age of three as as a sort of a form of physical therapy. And uh, I, I've read where you've been quoted as saying that you feel free in the water. But I'm wondering, was it always that way? What, what are some of your earliest memories of swimming? As you said, yeah, I started when I was three years old. And honestly, I think that was one of my first memories is to be able to kind of feel free. I felt like I didn't feel different in the water. So my disability a little bit disappeared, especially when I was younger, when I got in the water. And I think that's why I always stuck with it, because a part of me feels free and it feels more natural in the water than it does on land. Mm-hmm. And you're from Chicago, and, and you started competing in, in adaptive sports competitions in, in, there in Illinois when, when you were, what, 13 years old? Is that right? Yes. So how did that come about? How did you, how did you go from just kind of uh, swimming in order, to, uh, uh, in order to, to be a personal thing to, to actually become a competitive athlete? What made you decide to, to go into uh, competition? Yeah, absolutely. So I actually swam um, able-bodied pretty much my entire childhood. We were on summer leagues and super active. My family was 
super active. And so I never thought I was any good at it because I would always train and swim with like kids um, without physical disabilities. So then, um, but I've always kind of kept at it. And so when I was 13, it was actually the first time I kind of started learning about adaptive sports and um, I got involved actually with um, the team that started me. But for a different sport, I actually started with softball, wheelchair softball. And uh, I kind of got in the world of adaptive sports that way. And they found out I was a swimmer. And so they were like, hey, like, come check this part of um, adaptive sports out. And that's kind of like how it really took off when I was 13 to go to the Paralympics then four years ago or four years later, just because I was able to kind of find the groove and um, then started swimming full time. So, so what was that like? I mean, you, as you said, you'd been swimming with swimmers without disabilities all those years. Uh, uh, can you remember what you felt like the first time that you were actually in a, in a competition with people and that you were kind of on a level playing field in a sense? Yeah, I thought it was awesome. I think both times kind of really taught me how to be the athlete I am because I remember I knew how to win and I knew how to lose, if that makes sense. So being able to come Mm -hmm. at a level playing field, I know what it's like to feel like the slowest person in the water and then going into that level playing field and being the fastest person in the water. I think I was able to kind of take both of those scenarios and put my best foot forward. Well, you just touched upon the fact that, uh, you know, you got into this when you were 13 years old. And just four years later, as you say, you you participated in your first Paralympic Games uh, in in London. That would have been in London in in 2012. So what happened during those four years? How did you kind of rise so far so fast? Uh, tell, Tell me a little bit of what went into that. I think truly it was because I swam with um, kids without physical disabilities. I did not know how special and how talented I was until I was able to get into that loving play field, which is crazy because I think I rose super quickly in the world of Paralympic swimming. Like all of a sudden, I knew nothing about Paralympic swimming and I was ranked really high. So to be able to come into that and just learn because there's so much to learn and so much to kind of adapt to once you become that international athlete that I like was hooked and I put I was trying I worked a lot harder and I kind of found my passion and I found my niche and I stuck with it and I think that was able to um, get me to the level of being able to compete in London. So you you competed in London and then you also competed in the in the Rio de Janeiro Games uh, uh, four years later in, in 2016 and um, you you had some pretty high finishes in in, in both of those uh, games. Can you can you talk a little bit about that and about your experiences in, in those Olympics and sort of what what stood out for you? I think London coming in as a 17 year old, I think it was an awesome. It was the kind of like it jump started my athletic career and I loved London. It was so great to see so many of my teammates and people I've looked up to to be on the same team as them and like placing fifth I think going into London my only goals was to final and at least one event so I was able to um, reach my goal and get really excited for what was in store in four years in Rio to be a veteran on the team and to be able to kind of like figure out how everything works because again I rose so quickly that I was still so new to the sport And then in Rio, four years later, I feel like I got a really great taste of what it takes to 
be a competitive swimmer and train all those four years and have it pay off in a big way in Rio. So I placed fifth in London, and then I placed fifth and seventh in Rio, which was awesome because I kind of got to final in two events and kind of be a veteran on the team and kind of celebrate the fact that I got to do it again. What events did you finish so highly in? I'm sorry, what, what's your sort of specialty in terms of uh, what, what types of competitions uh, you're, you're best at? So I finished in the 50 back and the 200 free in Rio. And then in London, I swam the 200 free. So they didn't have the 50 back as an event in London, but then they made it an event in Rio. Hence why I swam the 200 free in both of the Paralympics, but the 50 back only was in Rio. And I assume that stands for backstroke and freestyle? Yes. Okay. Okay. Just wanted to make sure. Uh, <laughs> My so, apologies. So, no, no, it's okay. Um, and when talking about your experiences, I, I understand you you even uh, got a trip to the White House. Yes. What, what I mean, what was uh, what was uh, that like for you? It was awesome. I think it still really hit, didn't hit home until I actually moved to D.C. about a year ago because um, coming from Chicago or coming from Baltimore, I wasn't really in D.C., so I didn't see just how incredible the opportunity is to go meet the president. So London was awesome because it was only about two days after we got home. So we kind of said goodbye and then uh, <laughs> rested up, and then you saw all your teammates once again. So uh-huh. it was really cool. And then um, for the Rio Games, it was actually a Team USA Awards the night prior, so everyone got dressed up and kind of was able to celebrate just all of the things Olympics and Paralympics were able to do that year in 2016. And then mm-hmm. to be able to obviously meet the president is such an honor. You mentioned Baltimore. Uh, we, we should uh, we should note that you you went to uh, to college at uh, Loyola University, Maryland, uh, and so so now you're 24 years old, and 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 uh, you lead what strikes me as a as a, as a pretty demanding life. You 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 now work for a, a big health uh, services company. You swim regularly at either a high school pool near your home in Northern Virginia or at at your alma mater at Loyola University, Maryland, and you continue to train and compete. So. Can you talk a little bit about sort of all the stuff you're having to juggle in your life right now and, and, and you know, if, if there is any such thing as, a, as an average day, what that looks like? So I think kind of coming off of what you said, I did go to Loyola University of Maryland and I swam Division One there all four years. So I think coming off of such a grueling schedule of school and having um, such rigorous practices, I've kind of been used to being really busy. It's something I've gotten good at. And so going into now um, working full-time, I definitely drink a lot of coffee. I think that's my secret. (laughs) (laughs) And then um, my normal day usually looks like, so I've been really blessed to work for Cigna this past year, and they've been super supportive of everything I'm doing outside of work. So my average, I would say like my average day looks like I'm probably waking up around 5 Mm a.m. I'm a morning person. I'd rather get everything done in the morning than do it after work. Mm -hmm. So uh, it's either hitting um, the gym where I live in Northern Virginia and then heading to the office in Northern Virginia. Or on days I head to Loyola, I wake up a little earlier than five and I actually drive um, an hour to Baltimore and then I'll train with my college team and my college coach for about an hour and a half and then I would head to work 
and I work a full day, and then um, I drive home. So it definitely took its toll. It's very demanding, but I know I'm putting in a lot of work and a lot of aspects that I believe in, and I think that's kind of what gets me through the day. Well, as you say, you put in a lot of work, but I, but as I understand it, you, you've also uh, been uh, had pretty involved in, in physical therapy, had physical therapy, um, I imagine for, for maybe for injuries, but also just in, in sort of basically keeping your, yourself healthy over the years. Can you talk about that a little bit? Yeah, absolutely. I was in physical therapy for the first mm, 10 to 11 years, and I think it was a lot of just getting um, me able to walk in my braces and to be able to balance and to be able to kind of build a little bit of strength in order to kind of continue. And I think it played such a big role in my life right now because a lot of the basics I learned in physical therapy I still take to this day, whether it's getting a little stronger. I know this morning I was doing Supermans in my gym, and I remember doing a lot of Supermans during physical therapy because they were trying to build up my back strength and my core strength in order to kind of have my walking be a little easier. I don't know what that means. What do you mean when you say Superman? Oh, um, so you lay on the floor and you put your arms and legs up and you're on your stomach. So it kind of, and then you you look like a flying Superman. Okay, okay. But you, but you don't have to wear you don't have to wear a cape when you do it, right? No, I don't have to wear a cape. You can wear a cape, though. <laughs> so I think I took a lot of what I learned in physical therapy, and I kind of, um, which was able to help me adapt in not only swimming, but in my physical aspects of life too. A quick break to encourage you to move. Physical activity is associated with a reduced risk of chronic disease, not to mention improved bone health cognitive function, weight control, and overall quality of life. Simply put, more movement is the gateway to better health. Need some help to get going? Physical therapists are movement experts who use exercise, hands-on care, and patient education to help you meet your goals. You can contact a PT directly for an evaluation. Learn more and find a physical therapist near you at choosept.com. I understand that your 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 mother is a, is a personal trainer. Uh, what what has her role been in your um, your success as a swimmer and and in life? Yeah, absolutely. I think me and my mom um, are super close, and I think we do a lot of the same things when it comes to physical training because I am an adapter. So I'll like look at something and I'll be like, oh, I can do this if I change X, Y, and Z. And I think she was able to help me um, navigate that as well because she's like, oh, you can totally do this movement to build X, Y, and Z if you change A, B, and C. So I think it was a really cool ability to have her around and kind of helping me adapt to be stronger and adapt to life. So now, what are you working toward now? Are you looking to compete uh, at the uh, 2020 Paralympic Games in Tokyo next year? <laughs> I think that's a question everybody asks, and unfortunately, I do not have that answer for you at this moment. I think anyone who's heard my schedule knows that it's pretty demanding. Right. So um, I'm kind of going to take a break for a little bit or take a step back and kind of find out where I want to be and where I see myself in 2020, whether it's um, working here or 
at Tokyo are doing both and um, kind of coming back to that in a little bit. I'm still staying in shape. I'm still a part of the U.S. national team, so there's definitely some things Mm -hmm. that I have responsibilities about. And then I will kind of regroup and decide then. You've been in competitions, though, this year, correct? Yes, I just participated in, um, yeah, so the Tokyo 2020 decision is going to be in a couple of months because I just participated in uh, the Pan Am Games in mm-hmm. Lima in August. Earlier this year, uh, not that long ago, I guess maybe in, in June, the, the United States Olympic Committee formally changed its name to the United States Olympic and Paralympic Committee. The implications of that, uh, my understanding, extend well beyond symbolism into, into some substantive areas such as prize money. Can you, can you talk about that and, and what it means to you personally that that change has been made? I think it was a change that was a long time coming. I'm so, so excited because I think it will change a lot of lives. And I think it kind of puts the Paralympics and Olympics in a more um, equal level. And I think that changes how Paralympic athletes are viewed and how Paralympic athletes can now be professional athletes and be on billboards and be on commercials in a way that hasn't been able to do that before. And and for the Paralympic movement to grow is absolutely incredible, and it's something I believe in. I try to promote it as much as I can, and it's changed my life, so I'm excited for it to change more and more lives as it continues to grow. Well, when I read about that change, I, I was surprised. I mean, I, I didn't know, and I imagine a lot of other people don't don't even know. You, you think of Olympics as being kind of an amateur competition. I didn't even know there was prize money, but apparently there is prize money if you're if you're a medalist, right? Correct. Yes. And so now that prize money has been put on a par with uh, with Olympic athletes. Yes. Which is a huge deal. I think it was something like it increased our funding by 400% or some crazy math like that, which is absolutely awesome and such a good thing and such a great way for the Paralympic movement just to get bigger and bigger. Um, And what I believe in is um, how just because you have a physical disability doesn't mean you can't stay fit and stay healthy and, like, to be able to adapt to whatever you're doing um, to make you a little achieve a healthier life is Mm -hmm. great. So another thing I wanted to ask you about is, uh, as I understand that you had a a kind of a cool encounter uh, a few years ago during the swimming trials in North Carolina in the lead up to the Rio Games. You met some boys there who who have the same condition that you have, who have arthrogryposis, who had come specifically to see you. So can you talk about that meeting specifically and also more generally uh, whether you see yourself in some way as a a role model for for individuals with your condition and perhaps with, with other physical disabilities? as well. Absolutely. I'm really excited you brought that up because it was such a cool moment in my life. So um, these three little boys who also had arthrogryposis came um, to watch me, and I think that was such a full circle moment because I remember growing up and not really having a lot of role models with physical disabilities to look up to. I didn't really know a lot of people, let alone people in sports or let alone people that had jobs or lived in across the country from their Mm -hmm. family so I think it was such a cool moment to um, be able to be like you can do whatever you wanted and I think that's not said enough 
to mm-hmm. especially kids with physical disabilities and to be able to kind of show that and not only prove it by um, watching, having them watch me swim was so cool and to be able to be something that I wasn't able to see as a child definitely came full circle and it's kind of the reason I continue to fight and the reason I continue to um, do as much as possible is because I love the idea of um, being a role model to people mm-hmm. because I didn't have one. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Do you feel like there are ro- more role models out there now than there were when you were getting started? Absolutely. And I think um, when I was younger, you know, we didn't have the role of social media. And now I think social media came into part and that's a huge um a great thing because the world gets a little smaller so you can connect with people who you wouldn't have been able to connect with 10 years ago. So I know that I follow um, people that I look up to and that also have physical disabilities in different parts of their lives. Now they're moms and kind of living that life. And so to be able to also be a role model to younger kids and to show on that kind of spans more across than who I think I know because of social media, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. So um, I think in a way that the world became smaller and I'm able to touch more lives. And that's a really cool feeling to have. So, uh, I mean, uh, I think you kind of touched on this already, but uh, what, in general, what, what, what kind of advice do you have for, for kids or, or adults who are, who are born with or at some point in their life experience uh, significant muscle or joint conditions like yours or, or other physical disabilities, your, your kind of advice for how best to, uh, to enjoy an active life? Absolutely. I think my best advice is I always kind of go with the term, you adapt, you overcome. So in any way, shape, or form that my life leads me, I adapt, I overcome. And I think it's a great way to kind of put it in perspective that, yes, there's going to be hurdles, and yes, there's going to be things that you're going to have to adapt to. And once you kind of get in that mindset, I know I'm a problem solver. So anything I have, I have X, Y, and Z of how I'm going to solve the problem. And I have a plan and I put the plan in um, motion. So I think in order to do that and then to believe that you can do whatever you want. And I don't think that's said enough. And I think that it should be said more that no matter what physical disability you have, you can do whatever you want. So just find your place and find your niche. I know I found swimming and that I am who I am because of the sport of swimming. Mm -hmm. So whether it's in sports, whether it's in art, whether it's in work, whether it's in family, whether it's in friends, um, that you can do whatever you want. Well, Alyssa, uh, thanks so much for sharing your story with us on Move Forward Radio, and, and, and all the best to you in the future. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you for listening to Move Forward Radio. Insight from our guests is for informational purposes only and should not be used as a substitute for individual treatment by a medical professional. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify, or find previous episodes at ChoosePT.com, the official consumer information website of the American Physical Therapy Association. Find a physical therapist near you at ChoosePT.com.